What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to the New York Real Estate Investing Show. And we have a different show today. We're going to break this up into two parts, part one today and then part two on another episode. We've been talking a lot about you know, how to, you know, strategies and tactics, and we're going to talk a lot about marketing. We're going to bring guests on, but I feel like a lot of the stuff that we talk about, we want to use stories as much as we can just to, to demonstrate that this business, number one, is crazy. And number two, it can be very lucrative and you can get into some bad deals. So we're going to cover all that. Um, crazy stories part one is just going to be uh, kind of Michael and I just uh, speaking to each other about some crazy stuff that we have done in the business. And I'm going to try to keep all the stories New York related um, and uh, we'll have some fun on this episode. So I'm going to go first. I'll we'll kind of go back and forth on some stories on some deals. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make uh, we'll, we'll make this um, make this very entertaining and educational. So the first story I can think of just off the top of my head that was crazy was. This is a, a strategy that I still do to this day, and it's very profitable. Uh, it doesn't get me a lot of deals, but it gets me big ones. And I remember there was a vacant house that I found in Highland Falls, which is near West Point, not too far from you know, the heart of the Hudson Valley. And I remember cold calling the seller when I was in San Diego. This is a long time ago. And I remember she was like, hey, that was my dad's house. And I thought that it was gonzo. I thought the bank took it. And I remember saying, like, anytime you hear that, they're either going to say, don't call me again, it's not mine, or they're going to be like the best deal you'll ever do because their perception is basically zero. So anything over zero is good for them. So long story short, she was very skeptical about everything. And I, I, I got her to agree that, listen, if for some reason this has equity, and I didn't know if there was equity or not, if there's equity, would you sell to me? And she said, yeah, I don't really care. And I never met this lady. And this is all over the phone. And I ended up going on the, I think it was, no, it wasn't the county clerk. It was, um, no, it was the county clerk. I went on the county clerk's website and the property was listed on the market like five years prior. And I think there was a mortgage on it, but somehow, some way, the mortgage, I went on the county clerk's record and the mortgage got discharged and it never got paid off or anything. It's just, they took the lien off the property. Happens once in a while. It just yeah. happens, you know, deals. Very yeah. rare, but it's, it's very rare. So this property, I remember we, uh, I saw this and I told her, I said, listen, I, there's no more mortgage on this property. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, this is free. There's a lot of taxes and stuff owed on it. There's county liens and city liens. But like, you know, this thing's got some equity. She's like, all right. So I said, listen, what number would you want to put in your pocket? Like if I just like basically wrote you a check and she's like, I don't know, 15 grand. And I'm like, would you do five? And she's like, no. So we settled on 10 grand. So I bought the property. The sales price at the end of the day was like $10,000. Like it was really more because there was taxes and stuff. It ended up being like probably 40 or 50 grand. And this property was a mess. I remember there was, um, we closed on it, closed on it with cash. We didn't wholesale it. And 
what ended up happening was we, we had a big spread. We ended up making like 50 or 60 grand on it. I partnered up with a guy at the time because I didn't want to just shell out cash at, the, at that point in my career. And I remember that we had this buyer who was just a real jerk. Like he was very, very, very hard to work with. And at the end of the day, I remember the neighbor got all up in our business and we had this humongous dispute over a uh, property. Uh, have you ever had an encroachment, Michael, where there's an encroachment? Yeah. When they do a survey reading and they find that the fence is either on too far into your property or too far into the neighbor's property. Yeah. So we had an encroachment issue and we started going to battle with the neighbor and the buyer started freaking out. And this house was like basically like falling over. It was built in like 1880. And I remember as we, we got to the finish line here and we ended up making a lot of money on it. But I just remember like it was a crazy deal because I thought the seller had no idea she even owned the property and there was a mortgage that got discharged. And it just, it was just wild. And uh, really opened my eyes up to like, if I could do like four of those a year, right? Like these weird properties. I mean, I can make an extra 100, 200 grand like net to me. So that, that was a very interesting story. And I guess the lesson I would say for the listeners is that a lot of new investors, if they have no money whatsoever, they probably have time on their hands because usually it's either or. So I, you made a video this morning. I was watching it when I was making breakfast and you said that Deal Machine said if the values are worth over 500,000, in your area, you need to get like 1250, 1250 12, of them to get a deal. Yeah. Uh, driving for dollar crappy properties to get one deal. It made me so happy about it because I did 600 when I didn't. Yeah, you it. didn't hit your number. Yeah, you got to double that. Because Deal Machine advertises that three, three, the average in this country is 300 per deal. And I got like 600 and not one of them was even close to a deal because I had done the research on it. So when they told me 1200, I'm like, okay, maybe I, maybe I stopped too soon. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the, the point there is like, it, this could be a really good niche if you're getting started. If you can identify vacant home, like real vacant homes, whether you drive, I don't really like to go to properties, but you could have someone go or go yourself. But if you can get real vacant homes when the owner is still on title, if it's like a Deutsche Bank trust owned property, don't even waste your time. You're just going to, you're going to just work for free. Um, but you can pull out, I mean, especially in like Long Island and in the Hudson Valley, you can make 70, 80,000, you know, I know there's a friend of ours made like 180 grand on a vacant house one time. I tell, I tell people all the time, driving for dollars is a lot of work for little bit payout, but you can hit a home run, six figure home deal. run. If, six you figure. Find, if you find somebody that's deceased and the heirs don't think that, 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 that they own it and they really do. And it's a lot of work, but it could be a six figure deal. It absolutely can. And the funny thing is like, I've noticed that like a lot of the vacant properties that I end up buying they weren't vacant on any lists. They just happened to be vacant, like just, you know, by nature, by the nature of it. So some of the vacant data that you pull, I've noticed like now, like with the market being way more competitive, I've found that 35% of those vacant houses are actually vacant. And then the balance of them are like, the mail's just not going there for some reason. There's tenants usually that are living there. So most of the broad lists are not, they're not, they're not hundred percent accurate, but they're good. They're still good to use. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that was that was one that was an interesting story. What about you, Michael? I mean, Long Island—you got three million nut jobs living in one. What comes body. to mind with me—it's not such a crazy uh, seller story, but it's it's a crazy story on my end. This was the most roller coaster, up and down deal I ever went through in my life. So, um, I found an old guy. I mean, he was really old. He was like in the nineties, and oh, no. um, called back from a mailer, and he says, "I want to sell seven. I own seven houses. I want to sell them all." Where was this, by the way? What town? Um, five were in Hempstead and two were in Levittown. 
He lived okay. in one of them. He lived in a house 11 times. He was really old. And like, he didn't write down anything. He didn't have a computer. So like, I would ask him who the tenant is and he would think and he would tell me a number and then go, wait, I missed the digit. So he, and he was losing cognitive ability as most of us do when we were in our late nineties. Yeah. He, he couldn't run these properties. And uh, we went back and forth. I met with him in his kitchen a bunch of times. And then, then his daughter got involved and she was like, I really want to sell this. These properties are killing him. And three of them were uh, contiguous on a commercial street on uh, Front Avenue in Hempstead. So I said, you know, maybe there's some commercial use here, right? And we were negotiating on a price and he, I think he wanted um, like, I think he wanted like one and a half million for all of them. And we were down to like 1.1 million. I forgot what the exact numbers were. I was really just throwing numbers out, trying to figure out what they're worth. But I, but I, with these three, three contiguous properties, and and the and a fourth one was like almost touching it. Um, I said maybe there's something I can do. So I went to, I found this realty company that only specializes in commercial like QSRs, quick service restaurants. And I'm like, what's the story with this property? And I got like a survey for them, and they're like, um, they're telling me, I think you got a good shot here at a quick service restaurant, and if it works. Um, based on triple net lease and five cap, it's $2 million property. You can sell it in five minutes. So he goes, it's just one thing I have to check. So I'm already thinking, this is it. I'm going to make a million dollars wholesaling this. I'm already preparing for my interviews with Steve Trang and with all the people all over the place. And I'm already talking. I've already got everything read. This is a million dollar deal. This is Money's already in the bank. It just hasn't oh, happened. I already spent it. I was already spent it. I'm looking at Lamborghinis and, uh, and, and Ferraris. And um, he goes, just one thing I have to check. He calls back two weeks later and he goes, yeah, it's not going to work. He goes, it's oh, too shit. small. They need, a, they need it bigger. It's a little too short that the property that touches it, I can't get a car through in the area that touches where we were going to use that as a parking lot. Well. So I'm like, well, there goes all the money. It's gone. Because I can't, I can't pay what this guy wants. He's asking me for you know, close to retail on it. It's not going to work. Um, and then an epiphany hit me, like a, like a lightning bolt. And it said, wait a second. If I can, if, if I can give him close to his, pro, his number, but just allocate the amount for each property, I can take all the Hempstead properties at a pretty low rate. I can probably wholesale them. And then I can deal with the other Levittown properties later. And even if I have to like break even, I'll make a big chunk of cash on that. So I said to her, you know what? I can, we figured our price and I go, okay, but I, this is how I need it allocated. And I had to give uh, seven different deposits for all these seven properties. Oh, okay. But the Levittown properties were like, I was paying pretty much retail and the other property I was paying really low. That's just how it worked out. And he said, okay. Then I went out to the market and I, so I, I for the five Hempstead properties, I got a price of $750,000. And I found the buyer for nine hundred and seventy-five thousand for those properties. So it's a two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar deal. So amazing deal. We close it, and then I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do with these Levittown properies, right? Because if I buy, you buy the properties, you you wholesale the properties, right? I wholesale. We close, and I, I yeah, I had to wholesale that, and I said we'll do, deal with Levittown later. And I'm like, these Levittown properties, I'm going to break even. I might even lose money on it, but it's, I still made so much money on it. And out of nowhere, the the daughter calls me and says, "Is it okay if we don't sell you the Levittown properties? We're going to deal with them ourselves." I said. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and that was it. They sold them themselves. So I made $225,000 on the, on the Hempstead properties. Did you double close or assign it? I had to double close. So I lost a little money on the, on the, because I didn't want them to know that I was wholesaling. Yeah. Cause I didn't want them. What, you know what? I should have just assigned it. But in the end I, I made like 200 grand 
So oh I went God. I went from, you know, this is the greatest wholesale ever in the history. I'm going to make a million dollars on it to this deal is in the toilet to this deal. I'm going to make $200,000 on to, but I, to, to, I may have to lose 50 grand on the other two deals. Oh, by the way, not only did they not, not only do I not have to lose money on the two level down deals, but they sent me back my deposit. So I made even, even more money. You got so, more money. Yeah. Wow. Well, How did you find a, those deals? That's well, crazy. I was a, it was a, it was a postcard. Postcard. Yo, that's crazy. That is crazy. I was so up and down. Like I, I remember emotion, like an emotional roller coaster from this is amazing to oh shit, this is a waste of my time to wow, this is great, but I don't know how it's gonna be to this is even better than I thought. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that's the power of doing deals in an expensive market. People always complain it's hard to find deals, but yeah, when you get a deal, you're making you know our average wholesale fees are like 30 grand. You know, if you can California, right. it's probably like 35, 40 for me. So it's just like I don't care that it's hard to get deals because when I get a deal, I'm not making 10 grand. I mean, listen, if I have to make 10 grand, I'll make 10 grand over zero. But in our areas like California, New York, you don't got to really worry about that because there's just so much meat on the bone. Um, wow. That's awesome. So here's my story. We're just going to go back and forth for a little bit here. So, and disclaimer, this is not a one-up scenario. This We're just kind of riffing off the cuff here. No. Um, this is, this is one of the two short sales I've ever done. This was, I was an idiot too. If I knew what I was doing now, I would have made like 150,000 on the <laughs> Anyway. So long story short, I was in college. I was literally in a college class. This is a long time ago. And, uh, I got a lead and the guy was like, Hey, I live in Virginia. There's this property up in Sugarloaf, which is like Chester, you know, Goshen area. And he's like, I, I, it's vacant. I, there's mold everywhere. And he's like, I thought it got foreclosed on and I researched it and it was on the tax delinquent list. So I'm like, dude, like, what do you owe on this thing? Like you said, you're in foreclosure. What do you owe on this property? And he's like, I owe uh, like $450,000 or something crazy. And I'm like, dude, you have no equity. Like you're going to just get, it's going to get foreclosed. So I ended up doing some research. He's like, no, trust me, man. Like, I think this is a deal for you. And I'm like, I'm still pretty new at this point. And I probably done like 10 deals at that, you know, maybe, maybe even less. And he's like, I look it up and there's really no foreclosure action filed on this guy. There's zero list pendants and he hasn't paid his loan. He filed bankruptcy. He totally like got out of the area. So I'm thinking like, maybe there's a deal to be made here. So I remember calling him back and I said, Hey, I need to offer your lender, like basically nothing. And I don't know if they're going to take it. And he's like, trust me, make them an offer. I think they're going to take it. And I'm like, dude, I'm you owe like four something. I'm going to give you 30,000. I'm going to offer them 30 grand. So they're basically going to forgive your loan. I mean, really, at the end of the day, they're going to forgive this guy's loan. And he filed bankruptcy, which I think was part of the reason why they didn't care, because he basically was a wash to them from like a creditor perspective. Um, so and I think that's how it were. Anyway, I'm not an attorney. But uh, <laughs> so I remember I, I, I called or I, I sent an email to the seller. Who was the lender? It was um, a little oh, bit. It, I, I tried to go buy lists from them after. I forget what they were called. Um, something loan servicing, select portfolio services, SPS. It's a huge company. Yeah, but they were servicing the loan. The lender was ultimately, it's almost like a property manager managing someone's properties. Owned by a little bank, but they were servicing for them. Yeah, exactly. So basically like it, the note, I bet you they bought the pool of notes and they, they knew that half of them were going to be a wash and they're going to make money on the balance. So anyway, I, I made SPS an offer. He sent the email to them. They said they accept the offer. So now I'm like, oh my God, like this is insane. <laughs> I didn't even know this house was destroyed. Like this house was a total, like almost like a safety hazard with the black mold going on. So I ended up getting a buyer and it was a, technically a short sale, but I still assigned a short sale legally. Like it wasn't sketchy. I made like $30,000. I wholesale it to Larry and Frank actually. And they, they were like, this thing's a mess, but I'll take it. So I made like 30 grand on that. 
the seller ended up getting money somehow. He got a little bit of money from the attorney. It was this weird scenario. But looking back on that property, if I got that lead now, I literally could have probably wholesaled it for a hundred. Or if I were to rehab it, I probably could have made 200 grand on this house. Like just because it was like where it was. And, but it just, the point of that story was it sometimes, you know, when you get a lot of leads, you're like, oh, I don't want to work this. Oh, it's not worth my time. Oh, you know. But if you just make an offer on every property, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I get properties sometimes where they're like, hey, is that offer still good? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think so. You know, let me go back and look. So I, I send we, something that looks like a contract sometimes. And yeah. like, sometimes nine months later, they'll send it back to you signed. Yeah. Like, whoa, well, you need an attorney, but <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I'm yeah. interested. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you got to make so, offers on everything for sure. Make offers. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer too. And like, I, you know, a lot of people say in sales, like you shouldn't make an offer. Like I make an offer. Because like at the end of the day, the more offers you make, the more money you make. By the way, I, I just came back from this Gary Harper, the sharper thing. And he said that the if you want to pick, if you really want to drill down on a real estate investor's company, and almost all his clients are real estate investors, he calls some, you got to pick a brick. He goes, the brick is like the building block of your business. The one thing that determines really how the business does, he goes, the one thing that with real estate investors is offers made. 100% agree with you. Not leads, it's not leads. It's not even deals. He goes, it's offers made. He goes, if you track your offers made, and now I have a board here where I, anytime I have to make an offer goes up there, I got to make an offer that day. He goes, that is it. He goes, obviously everything has, there are a lot of things that have to, have to happen beforehand and a lot of things that have to happen after. He goes, but the one break of real estate investors is offers made. So, I 100% agree with that. I try, I've been tracking my offers for years and it has been a game changer for me for an sure. angel. Because I know we made 20 offers this week, whatever the case. And like, it's just the numbers game. You know, at the end of the day, it is a number. In New York, it take a long time, right? Those offers may not, uh, bear fruit for a long time but the, you make those offers and they come back to, and, and 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 turn into deals later i 100 percent agree that is the vital kpi metric right and you we can talk about kpis for hours we'll probably do other shows on that but anyway that was a wild story where i remember just like that's crazy believe yeah. it worked yeah. lender when you throw out a crappy offer and and somebody takes it i mean that's amazing uh, to a lender or to a seller it's great yeah anyway so what do you got my i know you guys oh, what about that one where you the wholesale i, I don't want to put words in your mouth but i i if you can't think of one, I know that one. Where no, I got two more, but you tell me what you, which one bring back. The one there. where the one where um, you, the, the attorney said, well, no matter what, he's got to sell it to you. Oh, so I was going to talk about that one. Okay. So let me do that one first. That was one of my first wholesale deals, right? So just from, from my experience for the, for the first four years I was in business, I was buying at live auctions, online auctions from REO agents. That means bank owned properties, real estate owned as REO. And I had never gone direct to seller. Then I started going direct to sell about five years ago. And I got a guy in Great Neck. So for those that don't know New York, Great Neck is a pretty high-end area, right? A lot of million, $2 million houses. But apparently there is one little stretch of Great Neck that is shitty. And I, this house was in the shitty part of Great Neck. Um, and it was a legal true family in Great Neck. And I was wow. terrified. I was terrified about what it was worth. I didn't know what it was worth. I thought maybe Great Neck investors would not buy in this part of town. Yeah. Um, it was disgusting. So there was a tenant upstairs who I never got to see that unit ever. Oh and no! I didn't admit, but he lived in the base. He lived on the first floor. He wouldn't say he lived there because it was so horrific, gross. There was the bathroom didn't work. I don't know what he did. It was a big backyard. Maybe he used the backyard. The kitchen was disgusting. The guy was a hoarder. I mean, it was horrible, horrible. But it's a real two family in Great Neck, super high end area. So I negotiated with the guy. I end up I end up getting it around five. I think five hundred thousand. That was his number. He wanted that's to unbelievable. Out. That's insanity. And wanted to get out. And I said, okay. And I was pissing in my pants thinking I'm going to take a beating, right? Because I don't know, maybe this part of Great Nick, it's only worth $400,000. I didn't know what to do. I arranged a showing. And I remember I was selling it occupied, second floor tenants coming with the property. All you can see is the first floor. 
And yeah. I had 60 people come and see it. And I ended up settling on a price of $620,000. It was $120,000 wholesale deal. So that's so far so good. But I was terrified. The, the seller was a real angry guy. He was like pissed off at the world. Everybody, you know, I would just listen to him telling he was a, he was a bank security guard. He used to, I think he used to fill up the ATMs and he got robbed once and he got tried, attempted robbery a bunch of times. He had to shoot somebody, a whole thing, but how everybody screwed him over and nobody was good to him. And I'm like really having a heart attack here because I'm thinking at the closing, this guy's going to see I'm making 120 grand. Yeah, so I, go my attorney, I go to my attorney, I go, maybe we should double close so he doesn't see it. I'm afraid he's going to walk away. So my attorney said beautiful words to me that I've said to you and to many times as I broadcast. He goes, he can be pissed off. He goes, but he's not selling it to anybody else. He's got to sell it to you. And that's one of the, another beauty of New York. This will not, this does not happen in most states, but in New York, if you're a buyer and you want to buy and you're in contract with a seller and that seller does not want to sell to you, you can A, put a list pendants on the property, which means just like you, you're in a fore, like you're foreclosing on him, he can never sell it to anybody else. And B, you can sue him for specific performance for the entire $500,000 purchase, whatever the purchase price is. So, and because almost 99.9% .9 of the transactions in New York, the seller is represented by an attorney, he's going to ask his attorney, hey, I don't want to sell to this guy. And the attorney's going to tell him, you got no choice. So that's a beautiful thing about New York. Now, in other states, you do little things like record the contract, record an affidavit of contract, memorandum of contract. That doesn't Garbage. really doesn't really make sure you get the house. All it makes sure is it could, could screw up title a little if the guy wants to sell it to somebody else. But in New York, when you're in contract, you are it is as solid as can be. That seller is not going anywhere. And we closed and we made $120,000 on it. So that was a great, great deal. And it was, but it was a little crazy there for a little bit. He was a little, oh, so the, here's the craziest part of that deal. This is the craziest part. I forgot about the craziest part. We get to closing, right? And I have a buyer who's paying me $620 for the house. He's going to rehab the house. And I said, the second floor is coming occupied. He goes, yeah, but you told me the first floor is going to be vacant and clean. Like you know, room clean. I go into the house. The guy is there and I go, what's going on? Are you moving out? And he goes, I'm going to move out in the next couple of days. So the buyer goes to me, I'm not closing until the place is room clean. So I'm like, okay, what do you need done? He goes, well, you got to bring people in. He goes, we got to clean it out. He goes, it's probably going to take us uh, three, four days. I said, just stay here. I ran to Home Depot. I picked up four guys that were waiting outside for work for Trabajo. And I rented a U-Haul truck, big ass truck, I don't know, 40 foot, 32 foot, I don't know. And I bring these guys here and I bought brooms and stuff. And I said, let's get everything out there. So I said, just clean it out. So the guy goes, whoa, wait a second. Some of the stuff is garbage. Some of the stuff I'm taking with me in my car. And some of the stuff I want to put in a storage facility. I go, okay, let's just start separating. So we just start separating and I'm rolling up my sleeves and, and we're just put, making piles and piles of shit. It was pure shit. And we load up the truck for his, for his storage facility. We drive to a storage facility, we empty it out. We then load up, then load, put all the stuff in his car. Then the rest of the stuff we put in the garbage. I drive, drive it to the dump, pay $1,200 in dump fees besides the other thing. But in the end, we got a broom clean by closing. But that Whatever it takes. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And especially those buyers. I, I've, had, I've had that happen to me before. They yell at the end and you're like, like you once said this, like on some level, it's almost easier just buying a pro taking a property down and buying it because it's just you and the seller. And yeah, there's no, you're not in the middle on a whole seller, You're in the middle. So I had a buyer who was paying me six figures, but was, but I was contractually obligated to provide a broom. The truth is 
the, the seller was provi- was contractually obligated to provide it for me, but once I assigned the contract, then I'm responsible for providing it. control. So it probably cost me a couple thousand dollars and a lot of aggravation at the last minute, but we got to close and it got done. That's amazing, man. And that's the power of big deals. I mean, crap, you're in an expensive market. You're listening, you're in New York or you're in Cali or wherever, like Miami, like this is, this is normal. You know, this is not abnormal. So we got time for a few more stories here. So we'll, we'll go back and forth a little bit longer. Time flies here. So I want to, Mike, do you, th- what do you think is more relevant? I have a, a crazy, like logistical story, kind of like the one you just said. And I have a monster, like monster, monster deal in Rockland County. What do you think the listeners would, would, would like better? Well, let's do the crazy logistical one for now. All right. So this was actually not that long ago. This was over Christmas time in 2020. I got a lead from, by the way, where, where did you get that deal from? The, the great neck was a mailer. It was a PPC lead. PPC. Look at that. PPC works too. Anyway. So this one I'm, I'm going to tell you about, it was a mailer and it was a, it was like a 12 month follow-up. Like they, I knew it was a deal. They inherited this condo. It was a total, total, total mess. This, this thing it was just a total you know, filth pot, you know, it was just filled with crap. And there was just, just junk everywhere. And there was a bunch of human, well, obviously humans, there was animals in there too, but there was a bunch of people living in there and uh, the son inherited the property and he couldn't really handle himself. So the the uncle was kind of like overseeing everything. Long story short, um, they had title issues on this thing. It was a mess, this property. And, uh, you know, I, I got it for like a, I think I got like a record price in this kind Like, I'm surprised the HOA didn't shoot me down and being like, dude, are you like the, the property robber or something? Like, it was a real dump. Like, I, I I am totally okay with the offer I made because of the condition. And it was like a condo anyway. So it's not worth that much. One bed condo. Long story short, um, we are at the, we're at the finish line. This is a wholesale deal. I think I had like a $25,000 spread or something like that. It was a pretty big deal, like for the, the value of that condo. Like normally condo assignment fees are small one bed condo fees. So we're, we're at the 11th hour, I'm in San Diego and I really don't look at my phone in the morning, especially in California. Cause I like, you know, it's three hours back. I don't really like to mess with it when I'm out there. And, uh, I come back to my phone at like, I don't know, it was like 10 o'clock California time or no, it was like eight, no, it was eight o'clock California time. So it was 11 o'clock on the East coast. 22 missed calls. Yeah. 22 <laughs> missed calls. And I'm like pissed. I'm like, what? And it's all from the buyer and like all it, I get a call. Oh my God, there's pandemonium outside. There's the cops are here and there's there's a lady in the hallway curled up in a ball with cats and there's cat litter everywhere. And like the HOA, like everyone's like freaking out. The police are there. And I go, did someone get shot? Like what's going on here? Like what is going on? And they're like, apparently, so what happened was the buyer was doing their final walkthrough. This didn't have to be broom swept, but it had to be vacated. So no one needed to, no one could be in the property. And this they were was, still, yeah, they was still there. Yeah. So the, 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 the plan was the, 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 the deceased seller's son was going to go into a hotel with his friends. And then there was a, another uh, licensee at the property. She was living there for a while. No one was paying any bill. Considering- right, you should explain what a licensee is because I didn't, I, I didn't even know what that was until six months ago. Yeah, a licensee is someone who basically has had the right to stay in a property, but they're not like a paying tenant or they were like not they never- had the right to, They had the right to be there but they don't have the rights anymore. Yes, exactly. So they, they had the right to be there and they had to leave. So what ended up happening was the licensee, <laughs> the girl was supposed to literally move next door because this lady owned a bunch of units in there and she like felt bad for her. Ironically, the, the girl's dad lived down the road from me in California, which was the ironic part of it, but that didn't really matter. So at the 11th hour, the, the owners, that lady's son, who was like gonna let the lady, the girl stay, 
was like, there's no way she's moving into this property. She's going to destroy it. It's going to be like the hills have eyes. And she's like, and so the lady had to tell her, she's like, hey, you can't move here. And she freaks out, goes pandemonium. The, the guy is going to get money for the property, the, 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 the son. And he's like, get out of here. You got to leave. Literally throws all her shit out in the hallway. There's cat litter everywhere. There's a cat running around. No, and it, you're, not, you're not allowed to do that, unfortunately. I yeah. really wish we could do that, but you can't. Yeah. yeah. So the cops end up showing up and I'm like pissed off. The, the seller, well, the seller was living in the property. The uncle was confused. The buyer was pissed. So I, I'm like, listen, guys, there's nothing we can do right now. I actually called the- And you're in the middle of it. So this is another example of you being in the middle of, of something. Yeah. The buyer wants to know why you're not performing and you're not performing. Exactly. Not performing. Yeah. And the attorneys got mad at me because I kind of like, well, it all happened and I was the buyer, you know, and, and anyway, so I actually called the uh, health, mental health department and they, they like laughed at me. They were like, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to, you straight jacket someone. And they were like, basically piss off, go fly a kite. We'll get back to you. Uh, don't, don't hold your breath. We'll get back to you when someone bites someone's head off. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just sitting there. So I'm like, I was actually going back to New York for the holidays. So I'm like, listen, buyer there's nothing we can do right now i said i'm gonna be back in town in like 24 hours or 40 it was like it was like on like a thursday and i was coming back on like a saturday or something or friday night so it wasn't that big of a deal i said i'm gonna come back and we're gonna take care of this and we're gonna get this thing cleaned out so i flew back and this is like a saturday it's the middle of december it's freezing out and i take my dad with me my hanging out with my parents at their house and i'm like i'm like hey dad you want to be entertained you know you want to you want to see something interesting and he's like he's an ex-cop so he's seen some crazy shit so he goes <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So we, we drive out to this property. I knock on the door. By the way, there's no lock on this door. You could just barge open whenever you want. I, the lady opens the door. There's a cat peeping through her legs. She's in a bathrobe. She's like, hello. And I'm like, hi, uh, I'm Greg the buyer. And um, I heard there was some action going on here the other day. I want to try to solve your problem. So I'm in the middle of this lady's disgusting condo that she doesn't even own. My arms are crossed if you're watching the YouTube video. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, and there's like filth everywhere. It smells like shit, like literally feces. There's a hole in the floor. And I'm sitting there. My dad's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I look both ways and I go, I look at her and I'm, I'm being serious. I go, I forget her name. I said, do you, do you really want to be in this property? I sounded like an attorney almost. And she's like, no, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, obviously the biggest reason you can't, you know, you have to stay is because you have nowhere to go. Right. She's like, yes. I said, listen, if I can get all your crap out today, if I can take care of you and your cat, put you guys in a cash only with pets motel for 10 nights, basically, I'm going to give you the money to stay there, but I'm not putting my name on the hotel bill and I can move you out and put all your crap. Literally, this is shit. There's not nothing valuable here except for some kitty litter in storage. Would you do this all today? Because I'm going to do this right now because I need to get this property. We need to buy this property. And she's like, yes. I So literally, this is like- hey. You gave her 10 days, 10 days in the hotel on the house for uh, on my, uh, so I gave, I literally gave her like a thousand bucks and gave her cash and said, here. So what ended up happening? It's, it's you know, like you're at an intersection, all the lights turn green. And normally that's not the case. I call a storage company, like literally down the road on the same street. They're like, yep, we got availability. I said, cool, book it. I call a moving company on Google. We'll do it. We'll do it. We, we got time later on. I said, okay. I call a motel. They say, yes, we can take pets. Yes, we take cash. I said, obviously, everyone there is a drug dealer. You know, I'm kidding. Probably <laughs> they, they probably were drug. It was sketchy. It was in Newburgh. It was not a good area. Um, no, it was in the town of Newburgh, but it was not too far from the city of Newburgh, which is scary. So in the matter of four hours, I drop my dad back off. I say, hey, I got to take care of this crap. I take all this lady's shit. We compile it in the front of the unit. We take it over storage. 
Uh, we load a storage unit up. The, the movers come. They move all our shit in the storage. Once again, literally a bunch of shit. I end up walking out of this house. I have the cat in the bag. Like the thing's like meowing in the bag and I'm like nurturing the cat, making sure it's not going to like, you know, bite me. And I drop this lady off at this hotel. It's like nine. It's, no, it's probably like seven o'clock at night right now. It's fucking freezing out. I'm used to the sunshine living at the beach. And I, I drop off her cat. I put all of her shit in the hotel like area where she's going to put it into her room. And I'm just like wiping my hands at the end of the day. And we end up doing the deal that, that following week. And I actually went to that closing and I was telling the buyers how much pandemonium I had to go through to get this done. But the lesson that I learned from that is that at the end of the day, no matter, I don't care if you're on your business, in your business, if you're levitating on your business, I see all this crap about automating stuff. If you're not a problem solver, okay, you're not going to make a lot of money. You're not going to be successful. Sometimes I don't advise this every deal. And I don't even go to houses really at this point, but sometimes you got to roll your sleeves up and you got to get dirty. And I was so freaking pumped to do that. And I had, I got more joy from moving this lady out and being a problem solver than the money I made on the deal. Right. So that was bananas. That was absolutely bananas. Um, and it really just proved to me that at the end of the day, your ability to solve problems, your income is in direct proportion to your ability to solve problems. How much, how much do you think it cost you to deal with that crap that day? It cost me like 1500 bucks. It's not bad. No, not at all. So that was a wild story. So Michael, I know we got five more minutes left. I want to respect your time. I know you have one more story you wanted to share and then we'll wrap up and maybe we'll do a part two. So I got, I just got a quick one where it's just sort of crazy because of where wholesale numbers are today. So I had a property in Bethpage that was also had a a licensee in it, right? A guy who was the boyfriend of the owner. Owner lived there. Owner um, is like in a mental facility now. And if she isn't, she should be because she called me like 17,000 times when I told her ex-boyfriend that he had to leave. But her brother, it's in a trust because I don't think she's mentally competent. And her brother has been paying the expenses on this house while her, while his girl, while his sister's ex-boyfriend lives there. So he's like, I got to sell this house. So we come to an agreement on price. The way I looked at it, I, I, I thought at the time I would have to close on it, evict the guy, and then rehab it. And it was a small house, small, a 3-1 ranch. But it's an area where I knew there wasn't a lot of downside because the, the land value was pretty strong. And I knew that worst case, I could sell it for almost what I paid for it, just for land for a builder that was going to build it. And um, I figured I have to close on. As a hunch, I just said, you know what, let me just try. And I, I thought I was going to make 40 grand on it if I had to close on it, rehab it and sell it. That's what I thought. That was the number I thought. And I said, it still it was worth it. That's a deal. Yeah. So just as a, on a whim, I said, let me throw this out to my buyer's list at a price where I can make money. I made, and I made like 50 grand, wholesaling, what? 50 grand wholesaling. And I'm not sure what exactly went on here. And that's with a tenant. And I, I was straight up uncooperative tenant house needs a lot of work. Like I was not holding back, pulling any punches. And I sold it to a builder who paid me what I thought was like, Fifty or sixty thousand dollars more than what builders were paying, and I think that guy is going to wait, wait out the the tenant, kick him out, and then build a big house on it. So, like that was insane. I made more That's money wholesaling it than I thought I was going to make taking it down and and rehabbing it. That is bananas. You know what? That's crazy. That just shows that you never know until you never put know. It. Can't hurt. Like I never thought I could wholesale. I until a year ago, I thought I could never wholesale a property that has a non-cooperative tenant in it. But you can. The price yeah. is right. You can. If the, that, and that you always say this on your videos. And I think it's real estate is always a function of price. And just because you might not think it's a good deal, doesn't mean the guy on your list doesn't think it's a, it might not, he might think it's a great deal. Right. And you could think it's a bad deal. And that's why 
like you said, sometimes I'll wholesale a house and I'm like, I'm making 40 grand and the guy like, whatever. Some people need to keep the crews busy. Some people are developers. Beth Page obviously is a really- you know, hold, I, I sold something recently with a $90,000 wholesale deal. The number I thought was insane, but it was a, a group of guys who bought it for student housing was near Hofstra. So for them, it had a lot of value. They were going to cut it up into a, you know, like a seven bedroom and, sell, and, and rent it to seven students. And like the value to them was much more than I thought somebody would pay for it. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And, and wow. Is, is that right by the golf course over there? That property you had? Not far. The Bethpage is a really, really good area. Bethpage and Plainview are really hot areas. I mean, there's a lot, every, every area is hot right now, but like Massapequa, Bethpage, Plainview, there's a bunch of areas there that are really doing well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I mean, this was a great podcast. I'm sure the listeners are like, and here's the, the big point that we wanted to make. We're not trying to flex here and like tell everyone how good we are at doing deals because sure we do a bunch of shitty deals too. It's, this is not every day this happens. But if you're in the trenches and you're doing and you're making offers and you're solving problems, you're going to make a lot of money, number one. And number two, you're going to have war stories that you can, you know, exchange on a podcast, you know, and you can talk about and, and you can use the stories to make lessons like, you know, make offers, you know, you might be able to sell it for more than you think. Don't, you know, let your limiting beliefs or something. If you think, even if you, think you have to close, if you have a buyer's list, try it, you know, see if you can on it. Sure, you got nothing to lose. And I found that too, like when I'm trying to sell a deal and I know I'm closing either way, that's when I had a lot of leverage in that negotiation because right. I'm like, dude, like if you don't want to sell, I'm, gonna buy, I'm buying it anyway. Like I, you had people, yeah. I had people, I had people calling me saying, uh, you know, what's, what's wrong with it or giving me lowball offers. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm pl I was planning to close on it. I just want to see what I can get for it. That's, yeah, that's the truth. Totally. Well, awesome. Well, that was a great episode. You know, I'm, I'm sure the listeners got value. If this is your first time listening, you know, welcome to the show. Uh, and if you have listened before, or if you're listening for the first time, if you can share this episode with 10 people, you know, copy and paste the link, send it out, put it on social media and also leave a review or wherever you're listening to this. That's how the show grows. And uh, until the next episode, I'm Greg Hellback here with Mike Pinter and we are signing out. Bye-bye.